Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch. And now today we have, from my point of view, a very special episode because just prior to or when this episode will be aired, the air date, uh, the premiere date of this episode, my second daughter will have been born uh, just a week and a half ago. And so for the topic or the discussion which we're going to have, it is a very fitting, at least for me, in a very special episode, a very special discussion, um, and that is on abortion. Now, the theme of our first season has been uh, New Testament Christianity, and uh, frankly, I decided to do these topics prior to coming up with a theme, and as we were going down through the topics, and I realized that they all really fit with New Testament uh, Christianity, except for abortion, which it does fit into New Testament Christianity in that theme, though it is not directly involved with New Testament Christianity, or that it's, that it's not one of the first things that you think about or that you should study when looking at New Testament Christianity, even though New Testament Christianity encapsulates really the entire theology of the Bible. So, getting to the discussion of abortion, what merits this discussion firsthand? Well, it is something, abortion is something I don't believe is ever going to go away. And we're going to continue to talk about it, though at times it may not be one of the, the um, prevalent, more prevalent uh, discussions, but it still is going to always be there. And it is something that it, it's, it's always existed. It's always uh, whether or not a, a woman should or should not keep a child, whether whether or not a woman has or does not have the right to 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 uh, to terminate a pregnancy, and so it is always going to be a needed discussion. Now we're going to lay the groundwork here before we go into this discussion. It's going to be one of our solo episodes, uh, so only I will be uh, speaking. And we're going to come at it from mostly a secular perspective. And the reason we're doing that, and so we are later at the, hopefully at the close of this episode, we are going to discuss a few biblical passages, look at a few verses which support the Christian's anti-abortion position. However, we need to first come at it from a solely secular perspective perspective. And the reason we're doing that is because it's like if you were to argue uh, the Bible with an atheist, well, it's futile. If you're trying to get an atheist to believe in God, you're not going to be able to bring the Bible to them. 
Now, if we were to argue with um, modern-day Christendom and trying to convey our views on, on what New Testament Christianity is and what the Bible says about New Testament Christianity and Christ's church, then we're going to use the Bible. But if we're trying to convey these points to those who don't believe in the book, we have to come outside. We have to come at an angle outside of the book. We cannot use the Bible when speaking to people who don't believe in the Bible. And so when talking about abortion, the vast majority of Christians and modern Christendom who, or, or excuse me, yes, the vast majority of Christians and modern-day Christendom are anti-abortion. They believe that life has value and that it should, that the pregnancy should uh, continue on full length and the woman should give birth to the child. That life is valuable. So we don't have to, or we don't need to, or really, we can't use the Bible when trying to argue about abortion. So, now, moving on, what gives me the right to talk about abortion? Me, that being, I am a male, I am a Christian, I have never had an experience with an abortion, I will never give an abortion, hence being the male, uh, in, in the relationship that I'm in and being a male in, uh, biologically in general. So what gives me the right? And this is one of the talking points from those who, uh, from a pro-abortion or a pro-quote-unquote a pro-choice uh, stance is that men don't have the right to speak about abortion or to speak on abortion, that it should be only a woman's uh, topic or only a woman's discussion which I don't know if anybody has realized this yet, but it takes, like the phrase, it takes two to tango. So even though the woman is the one who bears the majority of the responsibility and that she is going to have to care for the child, make sure her diet is proper, make sure she's not taking any uh, drugs which are going to harm the, the child, the man is still responsible. And therefore, with that responsibility, he also has a right to say in regard has a say in regards to an abortion. So me being a man, me being a male, I have a right to speak about abortion. Now, it's also another talking point that women are being controlled by men who are pro-life. And that the politicians and that the, the white man's agenda is so that women will continue to stay oppressed and that they can't get ahead. Which, I don't understand what abortion has to do, has to do with that. I understand what... Um, reproduction has to do with that and at the end of the day it is the woman's choice of whether or not she wants to reproduce but then as we're going to get to once reproduction has begun then that's where the argument begins on whether or not and that's what we're talking about right now 
So women do have the right, the ha- they should absolutely have reproduction rights. A man, if a woman and man are married, if the marriage is, is there, then it should be a mutual discussion. It should be a mutual agreement between the two, whether or not they want or do not want to have children. However, a woman absolutely has reproductive rights. She has a say on whether or not she wants to reproduce. But once she has reproduced or has begun the reproduction process, the ball has already started rolling. And therefore, and we're going to discuss this, it's no longer about reproductive rights of the woman. Now, does the man want to, to control women by forbidding them to have an abortion? Well, I believe that it would... From most men's perspective, it would be in their best interest to not have the child. You look at the vast majority of of men who are successful, they either have relatively few children or no children at all, or perhaps they're even a bachelor. And because children, they require a lot. So wouldn't it be fantastic from a man's perspective if he never had to bear the responsibility of having of having a child now i will say this from my perspective i believe that it is certainly a blessing i see it as a blessing to have children but i do know a lot of people who a lot of men who are simply scared of having children because they don't want that responsibility so wouldn't it be fantastic from their point of view to go through the means of having a child without ever having a child, if you understand what I'm saying. So I don't believe that that is a proper argument. Men are not trying to control women by forbidding them to to have an abortion. I used to think that a man could not speak on the matter. And not because a man couldn't speak, because it wasn't his right to, but simply because we don't have a voice. Because I believe that it was... At this point in time, a woman's only argument that only women could speak about it. Only women could have that discussion because men are virtually silenced in regards to this. However, I do believe that men now, my point of view is, I believe that men not only have the right to speak about it, not only that they can speak about it, but that they absolutely should because Man has responsibility in the reproductive process as well. Now, moving on to, again, what gives me the right to speak about abortion or to speak against abortion? And this is moving on not only from a male's perspective, but whether it be a woman or man or whatever, what gives anybody to speak against another person getting an abortion from this argument it comes it's a it's a mind your own business argument that what harm am i causing you so why should it bother you well then we get to the case of life argument whether or not you believe this to be a life or whether or not it is indeed a life growing And clearly, 
if it is a life, then I have every right to speak against abortion. It would be murder at that point. And there are some people who go to the extreme side of this uh, logical, of this thought process. But for most people, if they believe that it is life, then that should be the end all of the argument. And there should be no more discussion because I have a right. If I look outside the window here and I see somebody getting brutally maimed and potentially murdered, I have every right. In fact, it is my responsibility to stop that so that the life would not be ended, terminated. Now, if a woman is thinking about terminating her pregnancy, which would be the end of the unborn child's life, then it would be equivalent from that perspective, from the case of life perspective, to somebody getting murdered on the streets. And if it is illegal for somebody to get murdered on the streets, then absolutely it should be illegal for somebody to be murdered in the womb. Now, before we move on, what are the... I, I like looking at things from the opposite side of the of the playing field because that is the best way to understand something it's understanding from from the opposing point of view this is called steel manning and now while i'm not ever going to be able to fully believe the way somebody else believes or fully think the way somebody else thinks i can do my best to try and so from, from that angle, what are the best arguments for abortion? What are the best arguments that uh, pro-choice uh, advocates have? Well, at least from, from my perspective, the best arguments would be um, women will have abortions regardless whether they are legal or illegal, which is absolutely true. Women are going to have, there's been studies shown that um, women that regardless of whether or not abortion is legal per the government under which you live or somebody lives, abortions are still going to, to occur. But where abortions are illegal, a lot less abortions do still occur. Yes, women are still going to have them, and then that leads, leads to another argument of, well, wouldn't it be better for them to have the proper um, medical care instead of them going down a black alley, so to speak, and getting an abortion? Well, the best case would be not to have an abortion. If you're willing to risk another person's life, then your life is going to be at risk as well. Then another one of the arguments, the best arguments at least from my perspective, is the case of rape and incest and but this also falls flat in that the vast majority of abortions which occur or performed in America or in the United States are not because or not through uh, rape or incest they have they don't occur because a woman has been raped or incest in fact if you were to study it it is very hard for a woman to get pregnant uh, through rape. Now, incest is a different story, but 
at the end of the day, even though those are good emotional arguments, the case of life still prevails. Now, also another argument, one of the best arguments for abortion is personhood or individuality. And this one kind of goes down a, a slippery slope that we have to we have to weave our way through and find its logical conclusion. What do we mean or what does society or what does um, the scientific community mean by personhood or individuality? Well, there are two definitions, at least that I've found, and somebody else might be able to, to come up with another one. One definition is awareness of oneself. Another definition is distinctiveness. And now these two are completely different. They're on both sides of the spectrum. Because arguably, you are not aware of yourself until well on in life. I will be frank. I believe that the time of my own personal awareness wasn't until I was around age 19, which was when I became a Christian. When I was aware of myself and my responsibility to society and whether my impact, my influence on society, I decided to become a Christian. That was, I realized my personal responsibility. I realized the, um, the sins, uh, which, and I don't, mean that solely from a religious perspective, the sins which I have committed, and then I look to resolve those sins, and ultimately it led me to Christianity. And then distinctiveness. So you have awareness of oneself, which uh, some people argue is makes personhood or individual individuality, which, like I said, did not occur for me until I was 19 years old. And I, some people, it might occur when they're 10, might occur when they're 8, it might occur when they're 35. You just don't really know because I believe for every person it's different. In which in that case, it is not okay to murder. Uh, I don't believe anybody believes or any sane person believes that it's okay to murder someone who's 19, 8 years old, 35 years old and, and moving on any um, year of age. And then distinctiveness. Distinctiveness would be what uh, separates you from another person, which we could get down to DNA. DNA, every individual's DNA separates them from another person. When does DNA, when does a person have their own individual DNA, which is unlike anybody else. When uh, the, the, the sperm of the male has a part of the male's DNA, of that man's DNA, and the egg of the female has a part of that woman's DNA, but then when the two combine, fertilization begins and you now have a zygote, that zygote has completely different uh, DNA from the both the mother and the father. So it is in and of itself individual. It is distinct at that point. And so both of those, if you want to argue from a perspective of personhood, you can't really... However, I believe that proponents of abortion want to take this route because of the ambiguity. 
Because you can't really nail down what personhood is. And both of them are on the opposites. Both definitions are on the opposite sides of the spectrum. One can occur well on into one's life, and then the other occurs right at the very beginning. And so there's a, a great amount of ambiguity there. But because, and because of the ambiguity, we can't make this argument of something that is so serious and something that is prevailing across the minds of almost every human. You cannot use personhood as a conclusive argument for abortion because one way to define it is it completely cuts off all abortion rights and the other makes it open season for a child of any age. Now, I want us to come back to the case of life. If you don't believe that life begins at fertilization, just Google. If you type in, when does life begin? In fact, I did this in research and I double checked myself right before recording. Uh, if you Google, when does life begin? The very first article is going to be from Princeton University or Princeton.edu. And it is an argument or it's an article stating that life begins at conception or fertilization. I have a book here. Uh, and I'm going to read a quote. In human reproduction, biological life does not begin, it is continuous. There is no period where life stops and later starts up again. Cells come only from living cells. And you might be thinking, well, that come from some religious, religious zealot or lunatic or nut. Well, if you look at the quote, it is from a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Edward C. Freiling, a PhD. Life begins at the very least conception. Now, I do want to look at a few biblical arguments as we close out. Life begins in the womb. The Bible declares that life, do, that life does begin in the womb. Psalm 139, verse 13, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. God also forbade child sacrifice to the idol Molech, not only forbidding it only to Molech, but also just child sacrifice in general. Leviticus 18, verse 21. One of the more prominent arguments uh, christian arguments against abortion is that god hates the shedding of innocent blood proverbs 6 verses 16 and 17 and i believe the most beautiful argument biblical argument psalm 127 one of my favorite psalms children are inheritance of the lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward if we believe that children are a blessing that they are a gift from God, then abortion should completely be out of our minds. It's only when we believe that abortion or that a child is a burden that we would think to terminate the life of the, of the individual, of that human, of that baby. Abortion is not uh, a topic which anybody likes to discuss. But it is a needed topic. There are many other people who have made more in-depth and comprehensive um, arguments and discussions regarding abortion. 
In fact, I'm holding a book in my hand. It's not written by a member of the church, uh, though he is a, uh, a religious fellow, and he's written several really good books. Um, Randy Alcorn, he wrote a book called Why Pro-Life, and it comes at it from a almost purely secular perspective, which, like discussed at the beginning of the episode, is where we're going to have to come from when talking about abortion. Uh, so if you are struggling, um, with, with frankly anything, or if you know somebody who's struggling with anything, um, you can reach out to us at scatteredabroadnetwork.org or subscribe to our emailing. Um, all of the information should be, um, under this episode. If you're listening to us through Facebook, be sure to like and, and, and share and go check out the Scattered Abroad Network page. Be sure to like and share it as well. And f- from whatever venue you're listening to us, uh, please review um, the podcast and go check out the other podcast under the scatteredabroadnetwork.org. And we do appreciate you. We love you. And have a good day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.